Titus chapter 1, verse 1, and it reads as follows. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect, and acknowledging of the truth which is after godliness, in hope of eternal life which God that cannot lie promised before the world began, but hath in due times manifested his word through preaching, which is committed unto me according to the commandment of God our Savior. To Titus, mine own son, after the common faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and of the Lord Jesus Christ our Savior. For this cause I left thee in Crete, that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting, and ordain elders in every city as I had appointed thee. Let's pray before we look at these verses and this book today. Dear God, thank you for your word, the Bible, that we have your Bible to teach us so much that your words are inspiration for us, that your words give us life. Your words are so wonderful. Lord, be with me now as I try to speak your words and share your words with this congregation here and be with the rest of this church as we hear your word today on your day. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So today I want to take a brief look at the character of Titus. Titus. Because a lot of you guys probably have no idea who is Titus and never heard of him. How do I know that? Because I myself did not know very much about Titus before I decided, well, why not take a look at this and see if there's something interesting, some kind of insight I could share with you. So we're going to start short series. I don't think it'll be very long, right? We're not going to do a full Bible study. We're not going to go verse by verse. Titus is actually a pretty short book, but it's a dense book. There's a lot of stuff in there. Right? If we wanted to, we could spend like half a year on it, right? Going through all the details because it's both a practical book with a lot of like detail on how-to kind of stuff. It's also a doctrinal book with a lot of important doctrine that Christians ought to know. There's a lot in there for just three chapters. But as you know, a lot of times what I like to do is just do like a quick survey to kind of give you the overview and of course encourage you all to read and study and learn on your own, right? Rather than going through months and months, verse by verse, all this stuff. So today we start with a quick overview, quick overview, short overview, might only be two messages, right? On the book of Titus. Of course, it depends how long-winded I am, right? But hopefully two, hopefully two. So a look at Titus. So we start with the basic question, who's Titus, right? What do we know about this guy? I think if I asked the audience, probably most people would say, like, I have no idea. There's a book in the Bible named after him, right? That's about all I know, right? Presumably he's some Christian guy, right? Well, we actually don't know a whole lot about him if we just focus on the biblical record, which is what I like to do. We see what does the Bible say? What do we know from the Bible about these guys, right? You would think he might be mentioned in the book of Acts, but he's not, right? So Paul knew this guy but wasn't significant enough to be mentioned in the book of Acts, or maybe he met this guy after the events of the book of Acts, or something. We don't know, right? Bible doesn't say how Paul met Titus, or when it was, or exactly the location, or the time, or the place, or whatever. We don't know. It's not in the book of Acts. Presumably, it was during one of his missionary journeys, because we know, According to the book of Galatians, chapter 2, verse 3, it says, Titus, who was with me, being a Greek, right? Number one, he was with me. Number two, he was a Greek Gentile, right? So he wasn't from, like, you know, Jerusalem or whatever, right? And not one of those type of uh, people that followed him around. It was probably someone he met along the way on one of his missionary journeys, a Gentile, right? A Greek, it says in the Bible. 
We know a lot of other stuff from, about him from the book of 2 Corinthians. In the book of 2 Corinthians, we get a little bit of information. I'll read off these random verses. You don't have to flip there. That's why I put them on the handout, right? There's a bunch of random stuff. Not a lot of insight, but you know something. Chris, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 13, he calls, Paul calls Titus, my brother, my brother, right? So he's a brother in the faith, Christian, fellow Christian, right? Number, for chapter 7, verse 6, we know this about Titus, that they were comforted by the coming of Titus. Titus, one of his character traits, he was a comforter, right? His, on his arrival, comforted the people there in Corinth, I guess, right? Chapter 7, verse 13 and 14 of 2 Corinthians says this, talks about the exceedingly, the more joyed we, the more joyed we were for the joy of Titus because his spirit was refreshed by you all. For if I have boasted anything unto you, I am not ashamed, but as we spake all things in truth, even to our boastings, which I made before Titus, is found a truth, right? He was refreshed by the, minist- by the work of the ministry and seeing people, you know, following through God's way, right? Chapter 8, verse 23 of 2 Corinthians. Titus, he is my partner and fellow helper concerning you. So that's how we know that he wasn't just some guy that Paul Paul, Paul met. He was a partner, a fellow evangelist, right? Someone out to get people saved, right? It says he's a partner and fellow helper. A partner and fellow helper. So he's helping Paul. Helping Paul. What does Paul do? He gets people saved. He spreads the gospel. Obviously, Titus was the same, right? And what else can we say about Titus in verse 12, verse, chapter 12, verse 18, right? What does, he, what does, he say, what does Paul say about Titus? Uh, did I make Titus? Did Titus make gain of you? Walked we not in the same spirit? Walked we not in the same steps? This guy was someone that was trying to emulate Paul trying to emulate Paul, trying to be like him, trying to walk in the same spirit, walk in the same steps, right? That was the kind of person, that kind of character that he had, right? I want to walk after the way Paul was doing things. And how much more certain are we? Well, we read in the book of Titus, and makes it, Paul makes it even clearer, right? It says this, chapter 1, verse 4, we just read it, to Titus, mine own son, after the common faith, right? The common faith. They're trying to do things in common. And the last thing we know about him in chapter 1, verse 5, for this cause left I thee in Crete, that thou shouldest set in order things that are wanting and ordain elders in every city as I had appointed thee. So if you guys know your geography, Crete is an island in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea. And it says here that Paul had left Titus in charge on the island of Crete, right? He left him in charge and he told him, it's your job to set things in order, right? To ordain elders in every city, right? To set in order things that are wanting to solve the problems there, right? He left him basically in charge as kind of like a pastor there. People call him like the pastor of the church of Crete, right? But he was more than that. He was supposed to organize efforts there to start new churches, to appoint new pastors for new churches, to make sure that the ministry that Paul had started would continue. So this is who Titus was, right? That's the guy. The guy is guy trying to follow after Paul's spirit, a guy with a mission to get people saved on this island of Crete and to set up the church 
to establish the church, to build up the church on the island of Crete. But that's the guy. So what about this book then? This is who Paul is writing to. What is he writing about? What is he trying to tell his friend Titus, his fellow worker, right? His fellow partner and fellow worker, Titus. What is Paul trying to share? What is he trying to say? Well, most people would say when they talk about the book of Titus, and maybe you know for those people who have read it before or heard about it before, the general stereotype is that we talk about Titus, we talk about God's lessons on leadership. This is Paul talking about leadership, right? How are leaders supposed to lead other Christians, right? That's one of the, the, the big stereotypes. In fact, we even call this one of the, quote, pastoral epistles, right? Because he's writing to another pastor, right? It's not to the people of Crete, right? It's not the epistle to Crete, right? It's the epistle to Titus, right? It's the epistle to Titus. He's writing to another pastor, writing, you know, leader to leader, ideas of his ministry to share with another person who's doing his own ministry, right? That's what uh, people typically think of when they think of Titus, right? But, 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 obviously the lessons list listed in this book aren't just for leaders, right? It's not just for a small subset of people. It's not that only Melvin or Nathan should read this book and everyone else does not have to care. We don't need to learn the lessons of it. As we know, all scripture is profitable, right? And there's a lot of stuff in here that is pertinent and important for all of us to know too and to guide us in our lives and our living. What would I say is the important message of the book of Titus? It would be this, if we were to boil it down. It would be that the book of Titus is about the character and the conduct of the church. The character and the conduct of the church. So if you read the book of Titus, all three chapters, look at it in detail, that's pretty much the theme of all three chapters. It's what is the character of the church? How do we conduct ourselves in accordance with that character? Right? And I'll break it down for you really simply. Like I said, we're not going to go over reverse, so that's why I'm just talking in broad strokes here. Chapter 1 is the conduct, character and conduct of the leaders. What is a pastor? What is he supposed to do? What is his standard as he lives his life? Chapter 2 is about the character and the conduct of the church members. How are they supposed to live? What are they supposed to do? Chapter 3, the character and conduct of the church's witness. To the whole world, right? How are we supposed to act as we go and do God's ministry as a corporate group here, right? All of us together, God's church. That's the book of Titus in a nutshell, right? If you ask for the 10-second summary, that'll be it. The character and conduct of the church. That's what we'll be looking at over the next however many times we talk about this book, right? So as we go into this, the question will be like, what do we learn from it? Why do we learn from it? When we talk about the character and conduct of the church, what do we learn from this book of Titus? The simple starting point is where we started here, from the first five verses, right? Where it talks about, not really Titus, right? It talks about who? Paul, the author of the book, right? He starts off, Paul, a servant of God, and an apostle of Jesus Christ, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. On and on for, you know, the introduction goes on for this, like, what, five verses, right? We read right at the outset, right? Paul starts off talking about himself, 
talking about what he has done a little bit, not really, but you know, but what he believes, right? What his faith is like as he sets the tone here for this epistle that he's writing to Titus, right? In these first five verses. What does he want to do from the outset? What is the point? What is his style? What is his strategy in writing to Titus? Paul's giving himself up as a model for the ministry. Paul's our example. Well, we've talked about this many times, not in the context of the book of Titus. We looked at it in the book of Acts. We look at it in all these other epistles, right? <clears throat> Paul, if we had to think about inspiring Christians and Christians that live so faithfully, he would be the guy that many people would say and point to, right? Paul, wouldn't be a good Christian? We would be like Paul, right? And he starts off this book calling attention to the way he has ministered, the way he has served God. And that's, of course, laying down an example. Remember, Titus was the one that wanted to go after the same spirit as Paul, right? So this is going to appeal to him and appeal to those people that he was reading it. Because Paul knew this. Titus not be the only one that reads this epistle, right? It's not the only, he's not the only guy. He's not going to read it and I'll throw it away in the garbage can. I'm done, right? That this is going to be a document that others would look to and learn from and know. And I think God knew that too, which is why God inspired Paul to write this. That it would not just be one letter to one guy to help this one guy, but to help all guys and all girls throughout all time, as evidenced by the fact that we are reading it literally today, right? It did not end with, here, Titus, let me give you some tips. It was written for a broader audience than just him, and Paul knew it, and God knew it. So that's why he sets forth certain things right from the start. And what he sets forth is his principles, his principles. A lot of Titus is setting forth certain principles that Paul had, certain principles that God has for us, for Titus, right? And for all of us, by extension. Because that's what Paul was. Paul was a man of principle. So what does it mean to be a man of principle, right? Principles are a truth that does not change. When we're a person that's rooted on principle, we're sticking ourselves to some unchanging, unshifting, unvarying, solid, rock-solid foundation that this is a belief, and our belief is strong, unshakable, unchanging. That's the certainty we have. It's not something subjective. It's not something we make up. It's something objective that we can point to and say, there it is. That's it. No questions. No doubts. It's not something that we have inside ourselves that we come up with, but something outside ourselves that we can point to and say, this is our guiding light, our guiding star, our guiding principle. It's really in conflict with the way most of the world is today, right? We live in an age where things are kind of wishy-washy, right? 
kind of wishy-washy, right? Oh, sometimes we believe in this, sometimes we believe in that. We try to uh, catch the wind, right? Well, see which way the wind is blowing, and that's the direction that we're going to live our lives. Look at some of these people, like supposedly these uh, politicians, for example, leading their respective political parties, right? They will change their mind based on which way the wind is blowing, right? Like, for example, President Obama, when he was president, right? Initially, he said, you know, I don't believe in gay marriage. That's not something I believe in. But then later on, when the political winds change, he became the big champion. It's like, I support gay marriage, right? That's the way it goes now. That's what I believe now, right? He can change his heart depending on where, ta- where the popularity goes, right? Same thing with your current president, right? Once upon a time, he was totally pro-choice, right? Have all the abortions you want. I don't care, right? Then he decided to run for president. Then his tone changes. Oh, I see which way the wind's blowing. Well, I won't get votes if I, if I say that. So now I say I'm totally pro-life. I changed my mind, right? This is the way it is. I believe in this now, right? We see that all the time with these uh, political type people, right? And we see it among just regular folks living out in the world, right? When it comes to our own, when we come to figure out our values by our own thoughts, we always can have evolution of thought. Oh, I I change. I change my mind. I thought this thing before, but I change this thing tomorrow, right? When we live our lives like that, that's not living by principle, right? That's living by the seat of our pants, right? Living by how our emotion feels today, what feels good today, what I think today, maybe I change the thing tomorrow, maybe the next day I change my mind again, right? Bounce around and figure it out eventually or not. That's the way of the world, isn't it? Isn't that the way of the world? God has a different, different approach to all of us. God deals in absolutes, right? God deals in absolutes. When God writes it down, in the Bible, when Jesus teaches that to us, it's an absolute. There's no, well, maybe this can change. It doesn't, right? When he says, Jesus is the only way to heaven, that's it. It's an absolute. You can't say, well, God, well, what happens if I'm a really good person and I just happen to worship Buddha or whatever? Isn't that good enough? No, no, no. no. It's an absolute, right? This is it. This is the only way. Right? When God says something like Ten Commandments, thou shalt not commit adultery or something like that, right? That's an absolute. You can't say, oh, does it is an excuse that I was young and I wanted to date around and sleep with as many girls as I wanted to, but now I'm older and mature, like, oh, that, you know, whatever. Can I, can't I just live my life back like that? God, nope, 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 nope. God says, that's an absolute. This is my rule. You got to live with this from, however, you know, from, from beginning to end, right? That's the rule. This is my principle. So Paul was a man of principle. He took what he learned from God extremely seriously. Extremely seriously. He treated it with the respect that it should be treated with. The respect that we ought to all afford the word of God. That it should be a principle. It's not a suggestion. It's not a feeling. It's not, I can follow this one day, but tomorrow I take a day off from following God. It is supposed to be the principle, the objective, the unshifting, unchanging, foundational truth in our life. 
So why is it so important to have principles? Why is it so important to have principles? We see it from Paul here. Number one, principle gives us confidence. Confidence. We can act with certainty, right? Paul, we saw, we studied his life and his ministries. He never cared about what happened, didn't he? He was always confident. He didn't care that people were coming to persecute him. He knew he was doing the right thing, right? He didn't care that people said he was wrong. He knew that he was right. Because why? He's following God. You want to have confidence in your life? How important is confidence? We know confidence is important. Even the non-Christian, you know, in your normal everyday life, right? Confidence is so important to anything you do, right? When you can project confidence and have confidence, that's a key toward having success in general. You know, I've interviewed people before, right? You know, job interviews. And one of the big things that you can tell, and that's really obvious for me being an interviewer and looking at these people while they're giving their answers to questions, is how they come off. If they're confident or not in their answer, or if they're really nervous, right? When people, when I, when I interview people and they give me like, you know, answers and I can tell like they're nervous, not confident, don't know the answers or whatever, I'm not gonna recommend that guy to get hired, right? Like, I, I don't know. If he himself does not trust himself, how can I trust him to do work for me, right? On the flip side, if people can project confidence, even if they don't know the answer, right? Some people are like that. They're like, you know what? I don't know, but you know what? I can learn. I can figure that out for you, right? They speak with that kind of confidence. I say, oh, that's the kind of person I wanna hire. That's the person I can trust that even if they don't know the answer, they have project such confidence that they think they can do it regardless, right? in our own Christian lives, when we have principles, that gives us confidence to act in our own lives. We won't have hesitation or equivocation or any pause or whatever. If we know what's right, we can do it with confidence. That's our principle, that's what we live on, right? I don't have to answer any questions about this. I know it, right? This is what I say, right? You guys, you guys uh, want to challenge me? Hey, this is my belief. Give you, my, give, you, give you an example, right? One of the principles that I live by, that I've lived by in my life, is what God says about alcohol, right? And this is a principle, right? I don't drink alcohol, never have, right? But just like all of you guys, I've been to college and stuff like that, and law school and all these things, right? And there's plenty of people that do, and they always ask me out, right? Because they're polite, right? They're polite, like, hey, we're all going to the happy hour or after class or whatever, we're going to the bar and this and that, right? And so I always have the response to them, right? And I tell them, you know, like, you know, I don't, I don't want to go, I don't drink, right? And so sometimes they'll ask me, like, you know, like, like why? What's, you know, because that's kind of strange to them, right? Because like, everyone else is going, right? Why do that? And I give them pretty simple answers. Like, oh, this is my, this is my belief. I, I don't believe in it, basically, right? And Surprisingly, when you say that, a lot of people are like really cool with that. They accept that and say, oh, you know, Norman, I can respect that. If that's your belief, that's cool, you know, that's your thing, you know, we can respect that, right? And after that, like they don't bother me, they don't pressure me, oh, go come drink this or whatever. No, never. They know that, hey, that's your belief, good for you, you do your thing, I'll do my thing. On the flip side, there's some people that give like wishy-washy answers, right? And we've seen it among, you know, just more so when you have younger Christians, right? Just turning 21 and stuff. 
when they get, get pushed like, hey, yeah, you're 21, right? Let's go get a drink or whatever, right? And they give like the wishy-washy hesitation answer. Like, oh, I don't know. I don't know if I should. Uh, I don't feel like it. Or, you know, they don't stand on principle, right? They're the ones that are susceptible to pressure, peer pressure. Oh, let me tell you now. Hey, let me try. You should keep coming. They'll keep on asking them, right? Because they've given them the indication that... What? Okay. They've given the indication that, oh, maybe you're open to it, right? Maybe this is not a certainty for you, right? And then they keep on bugging them, right? And then sometimes they give in and they try it out or whatever, right? Because they don't stand on the principle. They want to be wishy-washy. They want to be committal. When you stand on principle, you can act with confidence, without hesitation, and have a prosperous life accordingly, right? Principle also gives us purpose, purpose. Look at Paul. He always knew what to do, where to go, when to do it. When we read the whole book of Acts, did it ever say, Paul was lost. He didn't know what to do, and, you know, he was confused. Never. We've never seen that in the Bible, where it says Paul was lost and confused and no idea what to do. Why? Because he had God's principles to guide him. I'm just going to follow God. God's going to lead me the right way. He's going to show me the path. I'm going to follow it. There it is. It's the same for us, folks. There's so many people today that go around saying, I'm lost in life. I don't know. Right? People talk about millennials, right? Millennials. I'm trying to find myself, right? Oh, if only I could find myself. What is my purpose? What is my calling? Folks, there's a quick answer to that. If you want to find out what your purpose is, what's your calling, you look to God and God's principles. God will tell you exactly what you need to do. A principled Christian always has direction in life. God gives us a whole roadmap right here in this book. You want to know what to do? Do what Paul did, right? He followed this book. He followed these words. You follow this book. You follow these words. And he will guide your path. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Is that not true? Is it not true? We can live a purpose-driven life if we stand on principle. We'll never face a time of, I don't know what to do. I'm so confused. The Bible guides us. God guides us. Our Christian principles guide us. Principles also give us wisdom. Wisdom. Think about this way. We read through the whole book of Acts. We studied the whole book of Acts. Did Paul ever make dumb decisions? Did he ever say dumb stuff? Did he give the wrong answer ever? I can't really think of an instance of that. I can't think of when Paul was like saying something totally wrong. I read through all these epistles. I didn't read like stuff where he got it wrong. And he made the wrong judgment, the wrong call. Why is that? Because he was acting with the principles set forth by God. When you follow what God does, you're following the most wise person of all. God knows all the answers, doesn't he? He knows how to guide your life and guide your direction and guide your decisions. A principled Christian can discern and make good judgments. What does discern mean? Well, you know his word, so you can use it to figure out all the questions that are facing you, right? Remember, there's a lot of stuff that isn't written in the Bible, right? There's no thou shalt not for every single thing. 
And the world changes day by day and evolves and new stuff comes up and new technology and new problems and new questions. But as all that stuff happens, if we have Christian principles to guide us, we can solve them all, right? For example, the Bible doesn't say anything about marijuana, right, which is the big thing. Well, how do we know what God thinks about marijuana? It doesn't say, thou shalt not smoke marijuana or whatever, right? It's okay, not okay. Well, we use discernment. We know what God says about our bodies. We know what God says about our behaviors. We know what God has for our standards. And we can judge for ourselves. Is this the right thing to do? Is this something that's God-glorifying? That's something edifying to him? And you guys can deduce the answer, right? We're all wise when we have those principles to guide us, right? And we can use that to figure out everything else, right? How does God want us to act with regard to stuff on the internet? How does God want us to act in regard to stuff going on at my job? How does God want me to act in regard to stuff going on at my school? We use our knowledge to discern his wisdom and make the right calls because we know it. We have these principles to guide us, these absolutes. When we are based on these absolutes, we can draw the right conclusions. Finally, principle gives us power. Paul was a powerful Christian, wasn't he? A powerful Christian with the Holy Spirit backing him. Quite literally in the sense that he could do like miracles and stuff, right? That, that's the extreme example, right, for Paul, right? He could do like, uh, you know, miraculous happening stuff. But even beyond that, look at his influence, the power that he had over entire regions, the after effects of his spreading the gospel to areas, changing quite literally, the course of humanity. That these places had the gospel, became Christian countries, even till today, that started way back then with his missionary efforts, his writings influencing generations and generations for thousands of years. That's power. It's power that comes from these principles, the unchanging principles, right? From 2,000 years ago when he wrote it, Till today, where we're still subject to that power of his writings, of his teachings. Likewise, when we stand on those principles, we have power. The power to change lives, just the same as Paul did, right? When we live through the Holy Spirit, when we share that gospel with other people, aren't we changing lives? Right? How powerful is that? That the Holy Spirit can make the murderer into servant. Right? The liar into the redeemed. The thief into the worshipful. That's the power. We get that power when we stand on God's principle. That when we act, we have that confidence. We have that purpose. We have that wisdom. We have that power to affect our life. We have that power to affect other people's lives. Just as Paul did way, way, way back when. And that is why he starts off this book of Titus setting off his principles to Titus. These are the principles that you got to have if you're going to lead this church. These are principles that you got to teach if you're going to teach other people in the church. And these are the principles that those people in the church got to know. Next time, we're going to talk about what exactly some of these principles that Paul laid down were. But let me close up today with this. This quote from John Maxwell. Policies are many. Principles are few. Policies will change. Principles never do.
They are unchanging. God's principles are here forever. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for this book of Titus. We see at the outset that Paul's trying to teach Titus, teaching through his example, through the principles he lived his life by. Be with us as we study this book and try to learn from it and have these principles guide our lives so we can be people of principle too, that we, like Paul, can live a confident, purpose-driven life where we make the right calls and act with power, that that's the goal for all of us Christians here today. Lord, we thank you for this time of worship. We thank you that we're able to praise you and honor and glorify you in all things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.